how's it going? Are we good? All right. Hello, and welcome to Scientifically Speaking. I'm your host, Dave. I'm Shane. I'm Colleen. I'm Philip. And I am Reed. And you're listening to a science talk show where we're going to talk about all sorts of topics. We have a bunch of us here. We're all science experts, except um, one of us is the super expert of the day. Shane, what do you got for us today? Today, we're going to talk about Y2K. All right, we need to do, we need to do some uh, like context setting here. So like everyone currently here, all of us was like I don't know, five or six years old when at the turn of the millennium, right? So like I don't know about you, but I have basically no recollection of this. I had no idea that this was like a thing in the zeitgeist at all as a five year old. I was twelve. How old are you guys? <laughs> Get out of here, Reed. So <laughs> you stupid New Zealand age counting. Right, they have a whole different time system over there. <laughs> I know. They don't count years the same. It's terrible. Um, My memories of Y2K. I remember being really scared because somebody told me that uh, planes were gonna fall out of the sky. But you actually were aware that this was happening in any capacity as a kindergartner. All I knew, yeah, all I knew is that like, like, as it happened the world would end. And I was really scared about that because I had no idea what that meant. What can we go around and say what we thought Y2K was? Because I have a feeling I thought it was very different than <laughs> you mean did. like right like like yesterday what we thought Y2K was. Or at the time or whatever like would make me feel better. Now, Colleen means literally yesterday. Okay, so that's a good idea. So what let's just <laughs> do I'm not going to answer because I think I basically knew, but let's just give a little bit of like what was everyone's perception of what Y2K referred to? Colleen can go last. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of Y2K until like 2010 or 2K10. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I, my understanding was that it was just like it would fuck with bank systems and stuff. Just the, the changeover. But you like, didn't, I didn't learn about it until but, high school? No, I learned about it after the fact, just like on Wikipedia. And my understanding was that it might have... Uh, might have like record keeping issues, but that it wasn't going to be a huge crisis or anything. Got it. My understanding of Y2K was uh, once I got a little older was pretty similar to Reed in that like the world wasn't going to end. It was just like, oh, computers don't know how to count. So when it hits 2000, for some reason, everything's going to go to zero and all your bank accounts are going to lose money and planes are going to fall out of the sky and no one's going to die. But like, Not like a big deal. Have a dark when planes fall out of the sky, that feels like people could die. <laughs> no one will die. They'll fall out of the sky <laughs> safely. Oh, right. Sorry. Yes, only yes, only empty planes will fall out of the sky. <laughs> so, Colleen, what was your understanding of Y2K as of yesterday? Uh, well, okay. So, to be fair, uh, this is... I think the same understanding as I had when I was in kindergarten, I just literally have not thought about right, you it. You just never since updated then. it? I thought it had something to do with a comet hitting the Earth. I thought it was like there was a comet, and like, I think eventually, I guess it like didn't end up hitting us or something. <laughs> Golly thought this was like we averted dis disaster by chance, and disaster <laughs> was the world is in, like the Earth is impacted by like a stray comet. But I guess it was like. There was, there's a comet coming to Earth, but it turned out that we had, like, done the math wrong. It was actually never uh. going to hit us. We we're all kind of dumb. Like, I, 
I had the understanding that it was never actually a problem. We were all like overestimating how devastating it was going to be. But there was at some kind, some chance, like it would have been pretty bad. Pauline, in your mind, was this like a like an Aztec or my sorry Mayan calendar sort of thing? Um, where it's like, ah, there's some big prediction of the end of the world. No. But, or was it like an actual, like, oh, like someone with the telescope saw the comet and it was going to hit us, but they were just wrong. Yeah, I thought it was like, you know, like NASA thought it was going to happen or like NASA said something that people interpreted as a comet's going to hit us. And then eventually everyone was like, oh, nope, that was never going to happen. Everyone's dumb. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's the thing. So. Before this, earlier today, I did a bunch of interviews. I interviewed, like, people who actually lived through this and remember it because they weren't six. So, like, my basically just my parents. Um, so I, <laughs> I called my parents and I asked them, like, what was their perception of, like, what was happening during Y2K? So, like, the, the very, very high level one-liner for what the y2k bug was is basically what i think reed or dave was saying which is uh computers are dumb about counting time and something about it changing over from 1999 to 2000 is gonna like reset things to zero instead of 2000 and that will for some reason cause issues right like it's gonna literally send us back to the year zero computers will think we're in the year zero and that and will be problematic for some vague, undetermined reason. Right. Like, I didn't so, expect them to, like, literally, like, uninvent themselves. Because, oh, it's the year zero. <laughs> I don't exist. So, so Colleen's, like, vague, like, uh, the comet thing, maybe the Earth is going to blow up. That, Super like, right. What? Super right. Super right. No. Yeah. So, so what's interesting about it, though, is that when I was talking to my mom, <laughs> I was talking to my mom, and we talked for about 15 minutes, and then after that 15 minutes, we were about to hang up, and she was like, oh, I just remembered something, because I had been talking to my grandpa after that, and he had said something that sparked, jogged her memory. She was like, actually, I think that I made kind of like a like a bomb shelter deal, like a small one, but I just like like bought a bunch of cans and I like, you know, like bought a bunch of batteries and like was sort of like doomsday prepping. But she hadn't remembered that when I first asked her. And she was like, actually, I think the reason I didn't remember is because like I knew that that had happened at some point. But like my association with Y2K was so vague about what I thought was actually going to happen that I didn't even remember that the like doomsday prepping thing that I did was because of the thing that I thought was going to happen in Y2K because I had such a poor understanding of what might happen. Right, so she she remembers doomsday prepping, but like forgot that it was associated with Y2K. Right, which is, I think, kind of common. The more I talked to people, the more they were like, eh, there was like a vague sense that something was going to go wrong, and like the news anchors were saying like, hey, you should kind of prep for this as if it's like a really severe winter storm. And so people did, but like no one really understood why they were doing that. And then, of course... Afterward, nothing happened from from most people's perspective, and so they were they just kind of forgot like what was supposed to have happened because it didn't actually amount to anything. Let's just walk through a little bit of like w- like what people were scared of, and by people I mean IT experts. So let's start thinking about basically the beginning of people writing software for computers, which is 
mm, there's like a really long tail of this where we're using punch cards and these giant computing systems and whatever. But let's talk about like the 1960s when people start writing like mainframe software to run big computer systems like for billing systems for hospitals and that kind of stuff. So around that time, people – so there's there's this issue – constantly throughout software that has become much less of an issue now in modern day but was a huge thing in 1960 which is that like there was no space on computers like seriously we're talking about one dollar for every byte of ram nowadays you can buy 16 gigabytes of ram for like 60 bucks so you can buy you know almost three million bytes with a dollar and RAM is when you're, where your computer keeps running programs. So if your program needs to keep track of a lot of, say, dates, you would want those dates to be as small as possible because you really don't have a lot of space to store them, and it's really expensive to get more space. So an example is you're writing billing software. You want to write down the date at which a transaction occurred, right? So if you're doing something to keep track of, like, patients paying for medical care, then you need to make sure that your your software records the actual time and date that the transaction took place. So when you go back and look back right. at it, you can be like, what were all the transactions that took place in February of whatever? Right. Okay. So we need to write, we need to save dates. And dates, usually years, would take up four digits, right? In the 1900s, there are four digits for every year. One, nine, and then whatever the last two digits right. are. Right. So for the year 1960, 1960. Exactly. Okay. So we need to store four digits. There is now a pretty efficient way. Philip, stop clicking. There is now a pretty efficient way of storing numbers. At the time, the software languages were like really, really primitive and prohibitive so every single number every digit took up an entire byte each digit one byte so if you want to use fewer bytes you need to use fewer digits and so what they did was they were like well it's 1960 no one's going to still be using this software in 40 years surely so we'll just store 60 which like now looking back seems like a terrible idea <laughs> But at the time, it seemed totally reasonable. Okay. So, so to restate that, so you're saying that uh, they decided that in order to save space, instead of writing out the entire year 1960, they just decided to call 1960 year one. Just 60. They called it 60. Oh, they called it just 60. Okay. Right. They chopped they off the, the 19. first two. Gotcha. Right. Year one would have been probably a little bit better, huh? Yeah, that's basically how we do it now, actually. <laughs> yeah, this is a thing that people are generally aware of that we're still relying in 1999 of software on software that was written in the 60s and 70s using this sh shorthand for storing years, right? So at the time, everyone's like, oh, this could be a problem because when those things get to 99, they're going to wrap around to zero. So was that software totally outmoded and people were just using them as that was what they had or... Was it like, would they have continued using it? Like, was it just doing the job fine? Uh, it was working perfectly fine. It was, the, the software worked. It did exactly what it was supposed to do, which was basically the problem. Okay. It was written perfectly correctly in the first place. 
so no one ever saw a need to rewrite it or change it in any capacity, which meant that 40 years later it was still being used for super critical things like GPS satellites, spy satellites, medical equipment, lots of shit that you don't want to break was still using this. Right? They should have done the uh, H&M model where you design something to only be used for like a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yes. The, some people would argue that that's how software is written now. Fast software. <laughs> Fast software. There's another piece of this that's also like mildly problematic. Software engineers just kind of like didn't understand leap years all that well. And in fact, I bet that most of the people on this call and people listening to this don't understand leap years all that well either. <laughs> Somebody just offer, what do you think the rules are for leap years? Uh, Every four uh, years, add one. Four years. But not. You, yeah, you do that. It definitely was not going to say subtract. Every hundred years. <laughs> okay, so you add a day every four years. Every fourth year is one day longer. Okay. Uh-huh. Reed's got something else. But you don't add a day uh, every hundred years, not counting like 2,000, 1,600, 1,200. Yes, that's the full complete one. Oh, right. Every, every multiple of 100 is not a leap year, except for multiples of 400, which are leap years. Which right. meant that so 2020 the year 2000, is a leap year, but 2000 is not. No, it is. Wait, it which was? Which is the problem. Oh, right, because 20, oh my God, because it's divisible yeah. by 400. 1900, right. not a leap year. 2000, leap year. So there's two, there's two things happening at once. One is that we did this, in hindsight, very bad thing of storing years as just the last two digits of the number, which we knew was going to wrap around to zero and be problematic. The other thing is that software that did account for leap years usually did it wrong and assumed that the year 2000 wouldn't be a leap year because of the 100 multiple rule, which was also so, going to cause separate problems. So hold on. I just I just want to um, just clear to clear something up for people who aren't computer science people. Uh, when you say round, uh, click over to zero, that means if imagine you're using like one of those little uh, clicker counter things to count people going into an event. And when you hit nine, you go, you click one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then after nine, it rolls back over to zero. I've That's what it is in that. physical <laughs> yeah, what technology. What is this thing you're talking about? For those of you who uh, <laughs> don't generally count people going into events, here we go. <laughs> It's like one of those calendars with the two little things. Oh, she's right. It's like the calendar. Yeah. It's or like the the score okay. where like right. you keep yeah, the score, score but it's like example. a physical card. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, I, I feel I like just, that was the got first it. thing I could think everyone's of. The, the clicker counter thing. That's a thing. Nine nine. It turns into zero. I don't think that's a thing. I'm sure Dave. it's a thing. But... I've never heard of that. Okay. So. Right. Okay. So here's the so here's the the problem that could be, right? Is that like. Imagine that you have software like the really like like the software running like some sort of medical device like a heart rate monitor. So heart rate monitors need to store timestamps, right? They have to store the time at events that events happen. Because when you look at a heart rate monitor, the axis along the bottom is time. Right. right? You're seeing what the heart rate what like you're seeing uh, like pulses at every instance of time. Okay. So what a heart rate monitor might do, for example, is store like 60 measurements 
and every time it gets to the like every time the it gets to 60 it deletes the oldest measurement and adds one newest one and that way what you're looking at on the screen appears to scroll from left from like right to left and you see a new data point added on the right every you know 60th of a second or something like that okay but here's the problem at the moment that 1999 becomes 2000 the newest timestamps are going to in fact become the oldest timestamps because the previous ones happened in year 1999 and the new ones are happening in year 1900 oh because it's so it's year mm. zero because it's going from yep. nine to zero but yep. it doesn't know that it's 19 so basically it's going from oh wow so yeah yeah it goes from nine to zero the actual numbers but the computer's understanding of the reading is that like oh that we're still in the century 19 so in, so on on new year's 1999 and for a few months afterwards this stuff really happened like people were freaked out about this for good reason uh few examples so a bunch of random but mostly harmless bugs popped up at like Japanese telecom and nuclear plants. So like at a Japanese nuclear plant, the alarm went off. Everything was fine. Mm. They just turned it back off and it was okay. Mm. But like alarm went off. Also, random people's cell phones just kind of stopped working intermittently. Mostly were fixed after a day or two. Whatever. Is it weird that I'm retroactively afraid of Y2K? <laughs> I think that that's reasonable, and I'll explain why afterward. Um, and, and just yeah, you're saying there there were some when when the date switch happened, there were some errors. They just weren't very significant, weren't very frequent, or there weren't. Very uh, many. yeah, sort of. What Let's, about the planes? Tell us about the planes. The planes were fine. What? So in the United States. The U.S. Naval Observatory, which runs the master clock that keeps the country's official time, gave the date on its website as January 1st, 19,100. Because it was using a program that just kept counting up. So 99 turned into 100, oh, and they just stuck 100 onto the end of 19, and they got 19,100. You know, that works. It doesn't. I'm not mad at that. It specifically doesn't work. <laughs> no, I think that's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? You go from 1998 to 1999 to 1100. Yeah. Spy satellites in the United States, our spy satellites, transmitted completely unreadable broken data for three full days. This one was caused by a supposed patch to fix the Y2K bug. Huh. So they were rushing to fix the Y2K bug, which in a satellite is a really big deal. And they pushed a supposed fix, which maybe fixed the Y2K bug, but it also broke something else. So everything after January 1st was totally illegible and we had no access to our spy satellites. How quickly do you figure that out? I mean, I assume they figured it out almost immediately and then spent three days trying to fix it. Okay. I mean, this literally sounds like the plot to, like, a a really shitty 1980s action movie. Like, it is the year 1999, and terrorists are waiting until the new year when the satellites stop working to plot an attack against the U.S. Apparently, that was the the big concern, not amongst, like, people, just, like, regular citizens, but at the Pentagon, there was a genuine concern that, like, there would be terrorist attacks 
on the turn of the new year because we would not be paying attention or whatever. And then all of a sudden we had no spy satellites. The most serious thing I think that actually happened was that uh, basically in the UK, incorrect risk, risk assessments for Down syndrome were sent to 154 pregnant women and two abortions were carried out as a direct result of the Y2K bug. Ooh. Because, get this, the computers miscalculated the mother's age. Oh, no. oh my God! They thought that they were thought they much were... younger. Oh my than they God! They actually were much older. You mean either? Some of them. Oh, oh yeah, I guess older was the yeah. concern. Yeah, older, and and also four babies with Down right. syndrome were born to mothers who had been told that they were in the low risk group. Mm. Yeah, that was uh, upsetting. Ow. Obviously bad, but. None of those things were, like, dramatically worse than any normal bug that could happen in software. I mean, it's not, like, hundreds of people falling out of the sky. Right. Basically, nothing or happened for almost collapse. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, for, like, Yeah, for almost everyone, right, because the spy satellites, that definitely was definitely real scary to the Pentagon, but right. it's not like your average Iowan citizen. No was... one had any idea. So, like, it seemed like it seemed like this is not that big of a deal. And it seemed like to basically everyone who lived through it, everyone I spoke to was like, yeah, it seemed like all a bunch of hullabaloo about nothing. We all just assumed that it was like, you know, newspapers trying to sell newspapers and like making a big deal out of nothing. It wasn't just newspapers, by the way. I went to uh, the the Red Cross website from 1999 had a huge list of like things that you should do to prepare. Like, here's an example. So the Red Cross has a web page that recommended things like checking manufacturers of any essential computer-controlled electronic equipment in your home. Stock disaster supplies to last you several days to a week. As you would in preparation for a storm of any kind, have extra cash or traveler's checks on hand. As you would in preparation for a winter storm, keep your automobile gas tank half above half full. In case the power fails, plan to use alternative cooking devices. And it goes on and on and on. This My is the God. Red Cross, right? All and right, wait, CNN, side note. Uh, yeah. What the hell is a traveler's check? I've heard that phrase before, but I feel like that's a very distinctly like old person thing to know about. Oh, man. That should be another episode, honestly. Just what traveler's checks are? Does anyone know? And what the why hell do is a traveler's them? check? Anyway, so the Red Cross says prepare like you would prepare. So, so they said it's interesting that they phrase it like prepare like you would prepare for any storm, like yeah. a hurricane or like a blizzard. Yep. So, they, so, I mean, like, it's in winter, right? So they have probably already been giving out storm warnings, and they're like, people will be aware of this. But the, the idea was basically like, uh, the power might go out, or ATMs might stop dispensing money, or any number of things could possibly happen that would, like, be catastrophic or, like, cause people to panic. And when people panic, you should always basically act like there's some it's sort of It's a hurricane, outside. right. Yeah. Because um, people are the so, real oh, hurricanes. So, so people were like really cons- people are the real hurricanes. <laughs> so people are like very concerned, right? And clearly there's like some amount of you know, I don't know, maybe fear-mongering, maybe just like reasoned like hey, be wary going on. But the question is why? Cuz it seems like basically nothing happened. The reason it seems like basically nothing happened is because every major government in the world established extreme measures and support to fix these actual very real bugs. Mm. We spent like two years going through every important system 
and rewriting them all so that none of this happened. So, like, the United States created this great website called y2k.gov. First off, that name alone is the most tinfoil hat conspiracy theory <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Wait, I'm yeah, not, I bet like, you didn't know about y2k.gov. It gets better. I'm not fucking with you. They made a toll-free hotline, 1-888-USA-4-Y2K. <laughs> so nice. That is unbelievable. They also created an online job bank for, which maybe, I don't know, the first one of those ever, for IT slash Y2K experts and the companies that needed them. So it was just like, you could be like, eh, I know stuff about programming and COBOL. And then companies that were like, I think we have Y2K bugs in our software. Could hire you. <laughs> there was like, there was an entire U.S. There was an entire council in the U.S. and also most other countries dedicated just to providing resources. And they explicitly exempted sharing any information about fixing Y2K bugs from antitrust laws. Huh. Like they were like, we just need to avoid this. Like, we absolutely will not, like, sue you or in any way fine you for sharing information even amongst competitors about solving these issues because it would be catastrophic mm. if we didn't fix it. Oh, okay. This is yeah. so funny because this is, like, it's crazy that we did this for Y2K and aren't doing this for climate change. It is wild yeah. putting it into perspective like that. I totally agree. Imagine if there was a problem that faced the entire world and every single government on the planet just said, you know what? We're going to fix this. We don't care how it gets done. We're going to find the people who can help, who know how to help, and we're going to direct them directly to the people who need the most help. And we're going to share with the whole world on how to fix it. It's true. But there, there, is, there is actually a similarity here. People had been pointing out that this was going to be a problem for 35 years. And no one did anything about it until the end of 1998. Yeah. Like, the only reason there was so much right. panic is because we waited until the very last second to do literally anything about this. And, and there like, was a very last second. Like, there, there wasn't. Right. There, exactly. there was a there literal was countdown clock, right. And the it was going to happen to our generation. Like, yeah, to the people to in us. charge's generation. Right, right. True. Yeah, it was, it's, yeah, yep, 100%. I was actually talking, when I was talking to Doug, who is uh, my friend who was a CS grad, or a CS uh, student at the time of Y2K, he was talking about how basically, like, the, the similarity to climate change here is is actually that. It's that, like, at the time, everyone was, there was, like, this, like, last-minute bustle to get this thing done, but people are basically only good at doing that in, like, very short-term situations. So it's like, by the end of the year, we have to get this fixed. But 10 years prior, when they, it would have been way easier and better to fix it, no one was doing literally anything. That just bodes so well for us. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's gonna well, be great. Okay, so that, that is interesting, though. So it's it seems like you're saying that we pretty much saw this potentially disastrous thing coming, and then we actually stopped it. Like, you, you, oh, yeah, you mentioned 100%. there were some 
tiny problems. Like, we definitely had some scary, awful things happen, but... Also, all of the taxi meters, all of the taxi meters in Sweden, and I think, like, one town in Japan, maybe, all just shut off. There was, like, this consistent taxi meter bug that just, like, like shut cabs? off. Like yeah, cabs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cabs. So, like, no one had to pay? I don't know. What, there or were like, a bunch of random things where it was, like, oh, there was a good one where... I think also somewhere in Sweden, somewhere in Europe, there was uh, you had to they, they had just implemented this brand new automated ticket reading system. So you would like get the ticket printed out and have a bunch of like the date and whatever on it. And then you would feed it into it was just like we swiping a subway card, right? Mm. Feed mm. it into the thing and it would let you on the train, <laughs> except for they all started doing the same thing that the U.S. Naval Observatory did, where it was printing the year 19100 on it. <laughs> and so it broke all of so you couldn't use their brand new just launched automated card reader anywhere Aww. because they all had totally invalid dates on them. <laughs> so. Someone brought up the uh, the Mayan calendar earlier, right? So the Mayan calendar, the idea there is that, like, the, we found some potentially calendar uh, uh, it's etched into stone by the Mayans, and people were supposedly freaking out that it was predicting the end of the world in 2012, right? Right. Um, so the Y2K thing is, is, is like the Mayan calendar, except if the Mayans, like, actually did predict the end of the world in 2012 and somewhere along the line stopped it from happening. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, they fixed it before we we read the stone. But, but just, like, Right. We, don't, we have no around. idea how they did it. It just, like, it didn't happen. Well, so We're all still it's here. that someone else brought up the Mayan calendar because when I was doing these interviews, that's what I was doing. Every time I was like, so did it feel like the 2012 Mayan calendar end of the world? And most people's answer was basically yes. Like, there's some, like, something, some very primal part of you was like, but what if it does end? But, like, <laughs> right. And this the is most the case part, where the, the Mayans uh, caused it to happen. <laughs> right. The Mayans knew about it the whole time and just sort of dragged their feet for. <laughs> Waited until uh, 2010 right. to, uh, but there was, to like, save our asses. People were treating it with, like, this sort of, like, semi ironic, like, oh, yeah, end of the world, man. But also, people were, like, secretly stocking up on canned foods. It was, like, you know, like, this is kind of a joke and I'm sure everything will be fine, but, like, just in case, though. And, like, that was basically everyone's perception. In fact, the only person – everyone basically said that, like, that was sort of how it felt like it was being treated. But they all also were aware of, like, one or two other people who, like, were taking it way more seriously. Like, it's definitely the case that there were people who were, like – especially, I think, people who watched a lot of television news were, like, no, I'm I'm just going to – like, just – there's no reason not to just stock up on doomsday supplies right Oh, now. yeah. You can never be too safe. When we own a house, there will be a doomsday. Like, <laughs> we're just gonna have a bunker. Yeah, all yeah, the time. Bunker. <laughs> That's good to know. I'm glad I found that a out. A doomsday right bunker. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? What is the harm? What was that, Phil? Like, right. Shane, tomorrow you're gonna get uh, seven thousand pounds of concrete showing up at your door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm also gonna build it myself. So. Oh, all right. Well, whatever. If you're gonna build it. <laughs> Colleen Higgins, the Higgins, the handiest person in the world. Yeah. You're gonna get that like certified as like I don't know, 
uh, what, can you certify a bunker or something? I feel like you'd want your bunker to be certified in some way. <laughs> Who's going around certifying yeah. bunkers, Philip? I'll, I'll find a guy. I'll find a guy. <laughs> I got a guy. Colleen has a, a bunker certified guy. Bunker guy. <laughs> bunker guy. That's how you know him. He's bunker guy. Yeah, he's the bunker guy. Bunker guy. Yeah, so th- there's another piece to this, which is that, like, uh, somebody earlier mentioned, like, it probably would have been better if they just actually started with the number one instead of, like, storing 1960 as 60. That was me. I'm smart. That was Colleen. She's smart. So. Well, it seems uh, like you'd eventually run into the same problem, but it would buy you some amount of time. Well, it depends. So the way we do it literally now, the way almost all systems are written now, is you count. Yeah, you count the number of seconds from what's called the Unix epoch, which is January. It's midnight on January 1st, 1970. So you can count, you can refer to any times in the past before 1970 with negative numbers. Why that date? Um, that's a good question. It's sort of arbitrary. We started using it in like 1972. I think it was just like the closest sort of even date. Okay. It needed to be in the past. So. So we started using it in 1972. Yeah. And in 1972, we weren't like, hey, we have this new system for like counting time let's go back and fix all of those other things for counting time oh yeah no that didn't happen wrong yeah that's correct and like, yeah. also i should 100%. say i should say on that comment colleen that literally never happens not literally but like oh, yeah, almost no. literally never happens. 100 <laughs> like no. you, you would think that you would think that it's like oh we upgraded we're gonna go back and like apply the upgrade <laughs> but like i know no. people who are like writing code in fortran and like an old version of fortran because yeah. someone a long way back wrote a library and then people kept using that library and they have to like now make a modification to that. So library. like this is this is kind of the deal, right? Actually the, the part of the problem is that the way some of these old systems were written, you couldn't really even go back and easily use like the Unix epoch system with them. Okay. Because the Unix epoch system involves storing numbers as binary numbers, numbers in the in a two uh, in like a two um uh, base two system right so the way computers see numbers as just zero or one right so or some combination thereof exactly the same way we have like the digits zero through nine and then we add we combine them to make bigger numbers computers only have the two options zero or one so in in like some of these older like programming languages you had to store like numbers the same way you store letters which means that you had to use eight bits an entire byte in order to store the number so it wouldn't have even been more efficient to count in seconds because mm-hmm. the seconds would just be a really big number yeah if you use binary you can use way less space to store these things than if you're storing them the same way you stored letters but that wasn't even an option so so this unix unix what was it? This Unix epoch. Epoch. They, it started yeah. on January 1st, 1970. Basically, they chose this date sort of arbitrarily, but decided yes. that we just need a date to call zero. Yep. So we now we just count seconds from January 1st, 1970. And then uh, we store that as like some sort of binary number. So when you're writing a computer program, you can decide, or really when you're like designing a like the the part of the computer that does all the math which is called a cpu you can decide how big you want a number to be 
right? So a lot of systems built in maybe 10 years ago and earlier would say that a number is going to be 32 bits. So 32 zeros or ones. A lot of more recent computers built in the last 10 years would use 64 bits. So th there's a problem, though. The, the problem is that 32 bits isn't actually enough to store a very large number of seconds. Uh, so if you start counting at 1970 and you count all of the seconds until the year uh, 2038, you get the largest number that can be represented in 32 bits. Is there another Y2K So happen? there's like another Y2K happening. God damn. So we're literally doing Y2K again. Y2K2. Imagine. To Y2K. Imagine you're, uh, imagine you're someone uh, counting people at, at an event. <laughs> and you have this click at you. You know, actually, I, I think that that analogy is a bit more applicable here because I have seen one of those counters before. It's like it's a little like analog digital like flipper thing. Thank you. And what it just is shows, this like, thing? It, it's a little handheld. Whatever. It's a, yeah. it's Never been to a concert where they're counting like people going in. Deck of cards. You click it, and, and like it's just I'll like just it's like you had a, a, a old school digital clock, but just with like lots of digits, and it just counts up. It also seems to okay. count like like cells under a microscope. Uh, right, because you don't need to look at it. You just click the button every time you see one. Yeah. This is why you know what it is, Bio Dave. <laughs> sure. Um. So, yeah, so that's correct. Y2K38 is a thing. The good Y2K38. <laughs> no, 2Y2K is what we're calling it. This is a real thing, and naturally, you know, having learned from the last time this happened, we're doing absolutely nothing about it. There was nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah. In 2036, someone will probably be like, hey, so... Remember how we're using 32-bit numbers. So that's not that far away. So that's that's we are closer wow. to 2Y2K than we are to 2Y2K. You can't do 2Y2K. Mm. Yeah, 2Y2K. All right, so it be Y2K too. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a funny thing with the I guess the new Y2K, and that so I mean now. Lots of people are using just like cloud cloud computers for their web service or whatever, supplied by a small number of predominant suppliers like Google and Amazon. And yep. I mean, presumably they would be on top of you know making basically just having their computers be sixty four bit, um, so they yep. wouldn't have that problem. But like I would think where you would run into this is like more small embedded devices. Um, like right. your toaster or something yeah. um, that is now suddenly thinks it's year zero and like you really want to toast things or I don't know. I think that's uh, yeah, that like it's more likely that your vacuum cleaner is going to have a problem. Way more things are computers now than they were in 1999, right? Like there are computer chips in almost every electronic thing. There are computer chips in cars. There are computer chips in literally toasters and microwaves. They're like even things that aren't like internet connected smart things are still usually still have some kind of computation happening and those small things that aren't just like a literal phone or a computer are much more likely to use a 32-bit representation of a number so it takes up less space which means you can make the processor smaller which means you can fit it inside of like a toaster i have a question about um why so 
Why 2K? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> why did things stop working though? What was that? Like, I so I understand that like things that are uh, using dates, like the spy satellites and the I don't know medical equipment stuff like that. I get why that would uh, affect it, but why would something like a toaster not work on Y2K, even if it had so, a computer in its brain? So here's the thing: is that like. Uh, software engineers, software engineering is hard. You can't think of everything <laughs> all the time. Truly cannot think of everything all the time. So you just make assumptions, right? You're like, okay, well, like the thing telling me what today's date is, that'll always work. So I can just use that whenever I need to. But the problem is that if that starts telling you the wrong date, anything could go wrong. And that could cascade up to anything else, right? So your toaster could like turn itself on at six o'clock every morning and except for it's trying to compare this current date to like you know the the like midnight the previous night and all of a sudden that doesn't work and so it just like either gets into some sort of weird loop that goes on forever and it explodes or it just never works again in bricks or it just doesn't turn on that day like a lot of the y2k things that were like that actually happened were just like what happened was when it crossed over the, the line from 1999 to 2000, it broke for like a day. And then either it just started working again because then it was comparing the first day of 2000 to the second day of 2000 and that was fine. Or it was very easy to fix because you could see exactly what was wrong. Right. So if it, if it stopped working and then was working again a couple of days later, what most likely happened there, what you're saying is that um, it stopped working because it was like, wait, this date is now before the date yesterday. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. But right. then a couple of days later, it's comparing the date to the date a couple of days ago. And that's, you know, 1900, it thinks, right. which is bad. But at least now it's January 3rd, 1900. And it's like, okay, I, I, I can yeah. work with that. But but maybe. But like also maybe it stored a negative number somewhere because of that first computation where it did 1900 minus 1999. Right. And that negative number was then used in math that was only supposed to work with positive numbers. Right. And everything broke forever. <laughs> I mean, like, that's exactly the kind of thing that could happen. Also, that's the most 2038 thing in the world. Like, oh, did you eat breakfast this morning? Nah, my toaster bricked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the number of things that are going to have embedded, like, computers in them by 2038 is going to be terrifying i think wait so like a lot of government software and like government computers run on really old things so like they're not going to be using google's cloud date right that's true like that's, that's true there are issue. still there are still lots of like important sectors of it that are not using cloud services either because they have some sort of privacy or security concerns they don't want to or just because the software that they're running is really old, which is the original Y2K problem, Yeah. right? Just like if software works, people don't want to rewrite it. And that's not a bad gut check to have. Like it's very common, I think, for people to walk into a system and be like, oh my God, this was written in 2005. We should probably rewrite it. But if it's working all the time, writing software is very hard to do without creating bugs. Like, the best way to avoid bugs is to never write a line of code. So if you can just keep using a thing that has worked for <laughs> 40 years, 
you're totally just going to keep using that thing that's worked for 40 years, especially in really important stuff like medical care, like security and like spying, like all of those things that are hypercritical and can never go down. People are going to be extremely hesitant to rewrite them, which also means they're more likely to use 32-bit like programming languages or computers and also not to be written on clouds. I, I would think this would be a bit different though because I would think most languages wouldn't have 32-bit assumptions built into them. Rather, it would be uh, the hardware you're running. But that might be a thing for more. I, I, then again, for older languages, that might not be the case. Well, embedded software that's written in low-level low level languages like C like even if the yeah, language itself allows you to uh, abstract that away people often do things like explicitly multiply 32 times the size of a character right. in order to get the size of a number yeah and that would like even yeah. if the programming language doesn't explicitly rely on the size of a number the programmer could have written something that right. unintentionally does It is hard to write software. So are there any other like uh, big things that could happen in, in 2038? Is there any like um, anything that you know of specifically that could go wrong? Like obviously in Y2K, what we we're talking about was, you know, people worried planes were going to fall out of the sky for some reason. Planes is there, is there, are there similar the worries or are we just not facing it yet because it's not sooner, soon enough? It's that. I think it's. The, I. I think that, like there's exactly the same level of concern, uh, or like we should. There. There's just as many opportunities for bad stuff to happen. It's just 18 years away, and so no one's doing anything about it. Right. So people. People care about 2030. The 2038 bug, right now, the same amount that people in 1982 cared about Y2K. Yeah, that's. Not, I think that's about right. I bet you Andrew Yang's talking about it. Andrew Yang definitely <laughs> is thinking about it. We He's need like, a plan. Yang gang, yeah. <laughs> UBI and fix that Y2K38. <laughs> UBI and 2 y 2 They're like, what? <laughs> All right, you got anything else for us? I think that that's basically it. So Y2K it was not a comet. <laughs> <laughs> And I think finally, one last point is one is a human point, which is was what was really interesting to me was that there were real problems that and this is this is more or less pre-internet as we know it, right? But there were there were real problems and people were new like news organizations, media organizations were trying to communicate them as best they could to a mostly non-technical audience. What was interesting to me is that there was a real problem. We spent an insane amount of money and time fixing it. We fixed it. And almost everyone I spoke to, even people who actually had like a good amount of technical know-how at the time, assumed that it was like much ado about nothing. That because nothing catastrophic happened, there was nothing wrong to begin with, which I think says something bad about our chances for 2038 but i think also <laughs> i think also just says something that i don't can't totally put my finger on about just kind of like people and their responses to like catastrophe like impending catastrophe yeah this is 
not necessarily related, but I was thinking. Um, right way to start. <laughs> this has been scientifically speaking. Scientifically speaking. No one else is going to do it. <laughs> All right. Three, three two, one. One. Scientifically speaking. Right. Colleen, you Scientifically still, speaking. It was only you clapping, and you still didn't clap at the right time. <laughs> you didn't say clap. All right. We can all stop recording now. Okay.